This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning. It's Monday, January 20th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. I'm Connor Tapp, and I'm joined today by Trey Scott. Trey, this is the first full week that we are not in the middle of the 2019 football season. So today on the podcast, I thought we would map out some of the most important dates that college football fans will want to be paying attention to over the course of the offseason. So Trey, let's start with the first date that we want to talk about, which is actually today, January 20th, the deadline for underclassmen to enter their name for the 2020 NFL draft. Most of the big decisions, virtually all of the big decisions, if there's one out there, I'm sorry, I've I've missed it, but all the big names we've been waiting on, Trey, have made their announcements, including some really big departures and returnees for the two teams involved in the national title game. So maybe less drama at at the deadline tonight. Night, but this has kind of th- this uh, January twentieth deadline has really shaped a lot of the news that we've been covering over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm not sure what's really left on the board as we look at January twentieth as far as decisions that haven't been made yet. But I think this year's hall of yes or nos is sort of defined by a few things. First of all, LSU nine underclassmen declaring early for the NFL draft. That's a huge deal for the. F- for the defending national champions, also considering they lose quarterback Joe Burrow, offensive coordinator or offensive assistant Joe Brady, and defensive coordinator Dave Aranda. So LSU has some massively restocked. And then I think you look at like the top five teams next year and maybe two top three teams in, in Clemson and Alabama and what they've got coming back. Travis Etienne, the junior running back, announcing that he was coming back for his senior year was shocking. And a lot of people, you know, didn't think that was the right call, but. You, you, maybe he wants to play his way into first-round status. Maybe he wants to win a Doak Walker Award. It, it worked out okay a few years ago when Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle returned for their senior seasons. Both are thriving in the NFL. And then for Alabama, they also had a star running back, Najee Harris, announced that he'd come back for his senior year to go with star receiver Devontae Smith, to go with star left tackle Alex Leatherwood, to go with Dylan Moses, who missed all of 2019 with a knee injury, uh, a freak at middle linebacker. So those two teams sort of mitigate – there are other losses. And then some dark horse returnees here. Oklahoma gets back star center Creed Humphrey, a possible first-round pick to anchor what should be a much-improved offensive line next year. And then Oklahoma State returns the nation's leading rusher Chuba Hubbard and Blitnikoff uh, finalist uh, from two years ago, Tylen Wallace at receiver. So, yeah, the, in the last few years, we've seen more and more guys just go early. But I think outside of, of course, the LSU headliners, we saw a few big-name talents decide they wanted to spend another year playing college football. And just to clarify, you know, NCAA rules are changing all the time. But the college football, unlike college basketball at the moment, this is not a decision you can really go back on once you've uh, declared for the NFL draft and gone out and hired an agent. 
that's kind of it. So um, uh, th these these decisions are final here. Uh, speaking speaking of decisions, one big transfer decision. Well, we've got we've got several players kind of out in the uh, in in the transfer portal uh, looking for new schools that could have uh, big impacts on next season, and that will continue. Players will continue to enter the transfer portal, find their new teams over the course of the offseason, right up until probably the start of fall camp. But the big name, the big, the big, probably the biggest day in the transfer portal this offseason will be when Derek King makes his decision, which could potentially come pretty soon, right? Yeah, so he's going to spend the first part of the weekend visiting Miami, and the Hurricanes have that backlog, the three-headed backlog of average quarterbacks in Jaron Williamson, Kosu Perry, and Tate Martell. They also have a new offensive coordinator in Rhett Lashley, and they have to save Manny Diaz's job to boot. So Derek King would be a really big get for Miami. He's also apparently supposed to visit Maryland at the end of the weekend. So I think for Derek King, I'm a little bit surprised that there hasn't been this free-for-all after him considering – it's not like there was a free-for-all for Jalen Hurts or Justin Fields, but they pretty much had their pick of whatever top-tier school they wanted to go to. And behind the scenes, I don't know if Derek King wanted to go to LSU or Oregon, and those schools said no, but I don't think Derek King going to Miami or going to Maryland swings the 2020 football season, and I, I kind of thought Derek King's decision would. Mm, interesting. I, I guess if he, if he goes to – if he goes to Maryland, producer Tani will be advocating for wall-to-wall Derek King coverage. So maybe that's the way it has the biggest impact on us. Uh, the next next date on our calendar, you know, Derek King is a little bit more fluid, uh, but uh, hard and fast on our calendar every year. First Wednesday in February. Uh, I don't think we, Trey and I, have to really explain to you uh, how important this day is, although, you know, a little bit less important in light of how much emphasis continues to be shifted toward the early signing period that I think, you know, starting next year, we're probably just going to start calling the signing period. Yeah. And I wonder in five years if we still have this signing period. So like 80% of class of 2020 prospects are all off the board by February 5th. Uh, they were off the board after the early signing period in December. There are a few big names out there remaining. McKinley Jackson, four-star defensive tackle, might be the biggest one. Four-star defensive lineman, Alfred Collins as well. Fringe five-star tackle, Broderick Jones. I think the cool thing about the early signing period, sort of removing a large swath of players out of the equation, is that you see some three-star guys start to become re recruited like they're five-stars as classes try to sort of fill out remaining needs and and the fan bases turn into this sort of you know they get the guy now and they'll celebrate him like he's a five-star but if they had gotten him in june they would have said why so you'll see that a lot you'll and there's some good examples of players who waited to sign and it really paid off for them i think the best one i can think of in college football is brock purdy who two years ago three years ago whenever that was in 2018 did not sign early his recruitment was pretty uneventful at that point and then all of a sudden he's got Texas A&M and Alabama going after him and sure enough he chooses Iowa State which is you know kind of a funny decision in retrospect but there's some gyms out there it's it's not the big deal it used to be you don't have the same sort of jolt of energy that you used to on the first Wednesday of February but 
there's some gems. We'll see the coverage of it probably takes a dip for the third year in a row, and we'll we'll kind of regroup after that. Yeah, and and, a, and an interesting thing to watch uh, on on the February signing period will be who comes out uh, with the, with the number one class, and part of that could be affected by the recruiting services, including our own, uh, still have to release their final class of 2020 rankings and. Uh, Right now, as things stand, Clemson is sitting atop the uh, 24-7 sports team talent, or not team talent composite, the team rankings composite uh, with Alabama close, very close behind in, in second and, and Georgia right there in the mix as well. Um, so, I mean, we're not going to give away so, some of the movement that, uh, you know, we're kind of hearing from Barton and company that might be happening, but it'll, it'll be interesting. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, it's going to be, it, it was, it was tracking to be in a really interesting race for number one. And I think it's going to be even more interesting in the next few weeks. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. All right, so once signing day is in the books, the second signing day is in the books, all eyes will turn to spring practice. We'll have you know, a lot of early enrollees uh, participating in spring practice, so a lot of uh, media members getting their first look at uh, these new players. Well, maybe not necessarily first. Some, I guess, went through uh, some bowl practices, but in a lot of cases, their first look working out with the team and then uh, you know, getting reps and then playing in the spring game um so that's that's always a pretty big deal yeah this is this is like my favorite time of the entirety of february to august is is sort of watching these spring games and extrapolating massive takes from them yeah like in alabama's spring game if mac jones throws for one touchdown and Bryce Young throws for four. I can mm-hmm. tell you what the headline will be on Monday is that Alabama is already locked down to a Tungo by Lois replacement. So it's just, you know, the cool thing about spring football now I appreciate is that the internet era and Twitter and ESPN in particular paying a lot of money for the college football rights. Like these are all aired back in the day. If you wanted to go see a spring game, you'd have to go. And I don't know how many of you out there actually go to spring games. I've been to a few in my lifetime and and including a few recently. And there's sort of a miserable game watching experience. Like it's hot, nothing's going on. The best players usually don't play. It's four hours of like jamboree type sessions. So, you know, spring football, as far as someone covering the sport is so great now because you can just sit on your couch and four to five Saturdays in a row, if you got a decent slate of games now, Connor, like, are we watching the whole game? No, but we can kind of pick and choose the guys we want to see, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's wild how much more coverage that that has increasingly gotten over the years, um, and, and you know, it's it's a hopeful time. Everybody's excited and 
optimistic that they're going to correct the the thing that was bothering their team, kept them from achieving their goals last year. It's it's a great time, you know, coming out of winter workouts into spring ball. Man, that is peak time for the new strength coach to to, to get pumped up about how he was the missing piece uh, to, that got got the program turned around here. Uh, that's always my favorite storyline in any given off season. So um, after, you know, after, once, once the spring games are in the books and, you know, that's kind of staggered, it's all over the place. It's when practice starts and ends is variable based on the weather in uh, or the climate in the particular city where the school is. Um, so, but that'll kind of wrap up in April. Um, and then our focus at least is going to really be turning to, uh, you know, the opening, well, during that time, the opening regionals, and then in late June, early July, the opening finals. We don't have uh, nailed on dates for when the opening finals are going to be in 2020, but last year it was June 30th to July 3rd, and I would assume you could expect it to be, you know, re- pretty close to, to that time period. So, Trey, I mean, this is kind of like, I don't know uh, how you you've been to the opening finals several times. Why is this event so important? Yeah, you've got me pining for a hot summer day in Frisco, <laughs> Texas. Uh, the the work it around the Fourth of July weekend as usual, or Fourth of July week as usual. This is important because for the first time in each given class, this is when all the top talent from across the country, not just from each region, from across the country, kind of comes together and they'll compete against one another. And at the same time, you have all of these media companies, including all of the recruiting services, bringing all of their scouts and analysts to this event. So this is really when, if you're a casual recruiting fan, a casual recruiting fan on a national level, this is when you start to learn names and learn traits and sort of appreciate storylines. You'll walk away from this event or you'll walk away after reading about this event or watching video about this event with a, a pretty clear understanding of not just the recruiting storylines for that given year, such as will he go here, where will he visit, but really an understanding of the next wave of college football talent. For example, two Frisco trips ago, a cornerback named Derek Stingley, who was already certainly a national level recruit, was just terrorizing quarterbacks. Like you could not throw in his direction. Obviously, Derek Stingley is Derek Stingley now. The year before that, the last time the event was in Oregon, Justin Fields, who had just decommitted from Penn State and was sort of courting this rock star type recruitment, was absolutely perfect in seven on seven play. You know, we tracked the stats at 24 7 Sports, and he threw 16 touchdowns, no interceptions, touchdowns on 80% of his drives. He was insane. We've never seen anything like that. And that was kind of really when Justin Fields went from top 10, top five talent to a very legit contender for Trevor Lawrence's number one spot. So the opening finals, yeah, I guess to sum it all up, it's the best talent in the country together for the first time. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of with the signing period moved up to mid-December now, it used to be that the All-America Bowls were the last opportunity, you know, our, our analysts were able to get their eyes on these players all in one setting. And now that kind of that kind of shifts to the opening finals. Uh, so, uh, you know, that big, big event in terms of shaping what the Team, what the recruiting rankings are looking like uh, at the start of the early signing period. Obviously, uh, you know what they do during their high school season is important too, but uh, that's it's massive. Um, 
so after after the opening finals, uh, you know, we'll probably already have our credential requests sent out for media days ahead of the 2020 college football season. These things are in mid-July. We've we've seen last year. There's kind of a shakeup in the way these uh, media days were scheduled out it used to be the sec kind of had the first week all to itself and then the uh, other weeks would uh, the other conferences would kind of trickle in behind uh but last week we got most of them done in the same week which was uh you know i guess i guess it was kind of exciting kind of from the fan perspective like get get everybody kind of like college football in the headlines every day, no matter what conference uh, your favorite team is in. But, you know, it's, it's considerably more difficult to cover uh, from from a purely selfish perspective. So it'll be interesting to see if that's if we go back to the way we used to do it or if uh, we stick to the way it was done in 2019. And, you know, Media Days is kind of one of those things where uh, if you – almost like spring practice where if you – look too closely at it and look at every player interview, every coach speech at the dais, you're going to come away disappointed and pretty profoundly bored. But um, if you just, there's always interesting stuff that ends up coming out of it, whether it's uh, Nick Saban going off on Paul Feinbaum, uh, whether it was two years ago, Urban Meyer kind of, initiating his his own demise at, at Ohio State by kind of getting into it with some reporters there at Big Ten Media Days. And then last year, the thing that stood out to you and me, Trey, at SEC Media Days was hearing all the coaches' takes on the transfer portal as we were kind of sorting through the consequences of this new rule in real time. Yeah, it's the media sort of collectively decides like what's the big storyline. And I'll be interested to see Last year, obviously, the transfer portal was big. What's what's this year's big story? I think it's also kind of cool. Just you get all the players in there together. So at any given day, you have you know twenty of the best players in the conference. And I guess you know if you're asking me for, and I know you're not, but if you're asking me for an indelible moment from our media days weekend in Birmingham, week in Birmingham, I think it was. Joe Burrow. I think it was standing next to him for 15 minutes. And I got on our, this podcast afterward. And I was like, man, that guy was kind of a killer. Like if you gave me five more minutes in a room with Joe Burrow, I might talk myself into LSU beating Alabama. And uh, I, you would hate to take too much from a player's body language or a disposition, but it, it is kind of cool to learn about these guys and, and talk to them for a little bit and see what they're like interacting with other people rather than just see what they're like and pads on with a helmet on and maybe you can make some sweeping takeaways about a guy's you know championship winning dna yeah it, it's uh it, it's a great opportunity and it, it's kind of like the, the the birth of all of the stories you're gonna hear over over the course of the season like the little bio nuggets at the beginning of the broadcast about certain player though a lot of those seem to get born at SEC media days with some of the, the information people get there. Um, so once, once we got media days in the can, then we're really just like a, a week or two out from fall camp. And I, I think with the, with the start of the 
with the season starting a little bit earlier last year with the uh, Miami and Florida kicking off so early in like week zero or negative one or whatever it was, uh, we actually moved up media days earlier or, or that was, that, that, that was why the other conferences moves, moved theirs up, um, to sec to uh, the same week as the sec. So, um, so anyway, at once once media days are over, it's basically time. You got a week or two to catch your breath, and then it's time for fall camp, and we're pretty much all systems go uh, headed into the season. It's it's going to go by fast. I can't even believe we're sitting here on like February, <laughs> January, whatever, talking about fall camp. I, you know, it's kind of making me want to take a nap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but, it's uh, it's all going to come fast, and I, by that point, the good news is we will all be ready for it. I think. All of anybody covering the sport and even the fans right now, like raise your hand out there. If you're out there and you're ready f- to kick off the games next week, I think you're probably still coming down from the season, regardless of how your team fared. So it's, 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 it's working up toward a process. And then, you know, I think the first, one of the first games of note this year is it's August 28th or 29th. Notre Dame plays Navy in Dublin, Ireland. So wow. it's kind of, You've got your, and that's in August. So once again, we sort of have a an early marquee kind of a cool spectacle spectacle game to look forward to. Yeah. Well, so I mean, kind of kind of looking back over that timeline, maybe we'll have a chance to catch our breath in May. May May's usually pretty 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 dead, I think. So uh, it, it'll be important to find those moments to truly get some rest and relaxation in because. You know, coming into this conversation, I felt like the 2020 season uh, was pretty far away. But after kind of running through that, it kind of feels like it starts tomorrow. So um, so uh, on that note, Trey, you and I and our producer, Tani, we had a a meeting uh, late last week to kind of go over our our plans for what we're going to be doing on the podcast during uh, the next month or so. And as I've said before, just because college football season is over does not mean we are letting off the gas for a single minute on the college football daily. So stay locked and loaded to our feed. That's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily, though. So if you appreciate what we're doing, please express your support by leaving us a five-star rating and a review if you have something nice or constructive to say on Apple Podcasts. Uh, For Trey Scott and our producer, Tony Levitt, I'm Connor Tapp, and we'll see you on Tuesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. For drag queens to save the world. world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. (laughs) Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.